Song of Prayer, number 714, Trust and Obey. Good morning. It is so very good to see all of you here. And I hope that from the Bible classes to this morning's worship, that all has been done to the glory of God and that you have been spiritually enriched. Because that's why we come here. We come here to encourage one another. We come here to enjoy our time with one another. We come here to worship God. And that's what this morning's about. To worship God and to find a way that you can better serve Him. Now, what's happening on the screen, not as graceful as it typically is. However, the theme of my sermon this morning went well with this prezi, it's called. And you'll see that in just a moment. The work ahead. And I like that imagery of a road. Starting in one point and moving on to the next. Visuals are important, I believe. I try to use them a lot. So I wanted to incorporate that this morning. Last week we discussed how there's work to do here at Birdwell's Chapel. Can you be an encourager like Barnabas? Can you get started like Simon the sorcerer? Maybe it was a little difficult for him to get started and he went on to some greater work. But maybe that's what you need to be about. You have an idea. You have a, a way that you would like to serve and be in of service here at Birdwell's Chapel. And maybe that's hit a few bumps in the road. That's fine. That's fine. Start again. Or what ministries can you be involved in? We have several going on right now. Our youth program, our Honduras trips that we go on. Other works. Can you give more? And maybe specifically to a work. How can you be active in the Lord's church here at Birdles? I hope that you've given it some thought over the last week. But if not, if you forgot about last week's sermon, that's okay, it won't hurt my feelings. If you forgot by the time the closing song was done, I want you to remind you, I want to remind you that we need to challenge one another to be active, to be workers in the Lord's church. That's what our, sermon, our songs were about this morning. Being workers, toiling on, working and being active here at Birdwell's Chapel. So let me challenge you this week to consider how you can be a part of a ministry or even begin a new ministry here at Birdwell's Chapel. How can you become more involved here? Come up with something this week and speak to an elder or the deacon in charge. Don't just be a person in the seat, but be a person who is active. I'll get this mic straight in a moment. Be a person who is active, not just someone who is a person in the seat. For if you are to be active, and those who already are, there are some things to keep in mind as we do the Lord's work. This morning we will be looking at Nehemiah. Go ahead and turn there, Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll be looking at Nehemiah as he and the Jewish people work to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. A very daunting task. You know, have you ever done some type of construction work, the very thought of building walls around a city seems almost surmountable. But God's people did it. This morning, 
we'll be looking at Nehemiah as he and the Jewish people worked to rebuild those walls. About 152 years earlier, before Nehemiah comes along, King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem, its gates and its protective walls, leaving the people vulnerable. Some Jews were able to return to Jerusalem, but with no wall, they were vulnerable to enemies and to various other attacks. So something had to be done, you see. There was a group out that was hurting. The Jewish people, they were hurting, and something had to be done. Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, learned that those Jews who were back in Jerusalem were in distress and they needed help. He asked the king for permission to return and rebuild the walls. Artaxerxes sent him as governor of the province with a mission to rebuild. Nehemiah had a task and had permission to do something great for God's people. What does this mean for us today? First off, let's look at a few things, such as motivation. What is it that motivates you? Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Nehemiah speaking here, They said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So they're basically back living in a ruined city. When I, Nehemiah, heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was moved by the fact that his people were in distress. He was motivated to then do something about it. What motivates you? What gets you to want to work? What gets you to want to do something? You see a Taco Bell commercial? Got to run for the border, right? Those commercials work on me. Other things work on me, though. Marriages that are in distress. It hurts my heart. Young people that don't know God. That are lost. That don't have a path. That don't have a method. That don't have a way to live by. So they look up something on the internet and they start following that. That puts my heart in distress as well. What about you? Does anything motivate you at all? Do you want to pour your heart into anything at all? Or is simply leaving and breathing and earning a paycheck all there is? Or do you want to make a difference in somebody's life, somehow, some way, with the Word of God? Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? That's what the Word of God is like. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. A lot of work goes into making a sword and making it sharp, making so it can cut and not break when it hits something hard. And the Word of God is just like that sword. It's very powerful. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal. I think a lot of us are. We're not moved by much. We're not moved by lost souls, some of us. We're not moved by those who hurt spiritually, who hurt emotionally. Just another person. I can't do anything about it. Well, maybe you can. 
if you keep your spiritual fervor. And if you serve the Lord. There's a talent you have that can help somebody who's hurting. There's no doubt about it. There's a talent you have that somehow, some way, you can reach out to a member of the congregation, possibly a widow, someone in need here. There's a way you can reach out to help somebody outside this building because you have a talent. All the talent that works for the Lord you know, doesn't sit up in this pulpit when somebody's praying or reading or leading a song. All the talent's not stored up here. It's stored in you. But you've got to have some of this right here. You've got to be moved to act. You've got to be moved and motivated to do something for someone else rather than yourself on this earth. The Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and Nehemiah sets out to rebuild its walls. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 11, he says this, O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Nehemiah in the previous verses is praying to God, forgive us your people. We have left you, Lord. And here he asks God for something. Maybe you've lacked that fervor. Maybe you've lacked that zeal. Maybe you've not served the Lord at all. Guess what? If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to have these things that you see before you. And in the last part of the passage here, he asks God, be attentive to me, your servant, and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name. We don't revere his name enough sometimes. And make your servant successful today. And grant him compassion before this man. We all want success. That's one of the reasons we don't get started. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But here, Nehemiah is asking God, make your servant successful today. Maybe what you're doing is a long project, something that takes a lot of steps, a lot of, a lot of methods. But maybe too, even in those longer projects, you just have to be successful today. I'm afraid that some of us, we only want to be entertained here at church, in our regular lives. We, we look for entertainment constantly. That's why many of us, all, most of us, are so addicted to our phones. But in Nehemiah chapter 4, in verse 6, it says this, O Lord, well, we've covered that one, alright. Nehemiah 4 and verse 6, so we built the wall, it says. He goes on, asks Artaxerxes, can I go to Judah and can we rebuild the wall? And he gets that blessing. And in chapter 4 and verse 6, we read this verse. This is a few chapters later, you see. Nehemiah is asking God in chapter 1, May you bless us, Lord. May you forgive us. Give us zeal. Give us motivation. And in chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. That's what we need. We need a mind to work just like the Jews in Nehemiah's day did. So we're motivated, ready to be active. But then what happens? Ridicule. It's going to come about. It's going to happen. Might as well expect it. Let's look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. That's going to happen. When Christians are working, when Christians are trying to do something, anything, it's going to be ridiculed. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? You get a tone of sarcasm here, don't you? 
Sarcasm. Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble? Even the burned ones? Can they do those things? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and he said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. There's going to be ridicule when you are working for God because people are going to wonder what we're doing and that's what they do here. That's what Sanballat does. What are they doing? Are they actually going to rebuild it? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Christians, are you doing something by yourself? No. We have God on our side. Can they offer, can they offer sacrifices? They're being looked down upon. So many people look at us and say, you follow that ancient book, you need to get with the times. Listen, I've seen the times, I don't want no part of it. I want to know what God's doing. I want to know what God has me to live because that has truly, in multiple, multiple ways, blessed my life because I've lived for God and not myself. And living for God can do the same for you. So can I offer, can I offer sacrifices? Can the Jews, can I live for God? Yes, every single day. And regardless of who ridicules our work, ridicules our work we can work for Him. Can they revive the stones? Can they bring up from the dusty rubble? To other people, the work of the church, the work of a Christian, you see, seems impossible. Seems like it cannot be done. But that's because they don't know who God is. That's because they don't know who, how powerful He is. Even Jesus Himself was ridiculed, spat upon, laughed at. Of course that will happen to us. But we cannot let that stop us. John chapter 15 and verse 23 says, He who hates me hates my Father also. So when people make fun of you, they're doing the same to God. You've got to remember whose side you're on. Too many of us want to be on the side of the world because it's so inviting. It has such a, such a pleasurable message that, that pulls us towards it like a siren song, pulling us, however, to death, pulling us, however, to, to wreckage, pulling us away from the blessings of living for God. The world's not going to follow biblical teachings. We need to accept that. But we need to also accept that we are going to follow biblical teachings. And that's how we can get away from the ridicule and even kind of, kind of laugh at that. If you remember Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6, a few verses later, what kind of mind did they have? They had a mind to work. The ridicule, you see, did not bother them. But it's going to happen. We must keep that in mind. So the work will be ridiculed. The work, however, will also be challenging. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 11. Our enemies said they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. So the ridicule happened verbally, and now the enemies of the Jews are going to set out and try to do something to them. And the enemies are saying they're not even going to know it. They're not going to know that we're coming until we're already there. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. The work is going to be challenging because our enemies are definitely going to plot against us. It's going to happen. People are going to make fun of you. There might even be enemies within this building. Yeah, enemies within the building, within our own brotherhood, to stop a good work that can and should need to be done. Verses 13 and 14 says, Then I stationed men in the lowest parts. What did Nehemiah do? He heard about the ridicule. 
He heard about the challenge coming his way. And what did he say? What did he do? I'm going to station men. I'm going to take care of that. We're working for God here. And we're going to meet those challenges. And you must meet those challenges as well. I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space. Behind the wall. The exposed places. And I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. So he's got them prepared. The leadership. Right? We're asking you members to do some work to get it done. But leadership. We've got to be there encouraging them. That's why we're in a leadership position. To show those to find the right people to do the right jobs in the right way for God. Whenever they meet a challenge, we've got to step up. We've got to see the fear in their eyes. We've got to see the doubt in their eyes. We've got to say something like what Nehemiah says, or an encouraging message like this. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles. Verse 14. The officials and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We need to do that. Remember that our Lord is great and awesome. It's talking about the same God. Talking about the same Lord. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Thankfully, we don't have to have a sword, a physical sword, in our hands to do the work of the Lord today. But we do have to pick up this sword. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? We do have to pick up this sword and we do have to use it. Too many of us, however, don't. Too afraid. We don't, let it, we don't let it lead us. But guess what? We are still protecting our brothers. We are still protecting our sons. We are still protecting our daughters from the same enemy, just in a different way. And we must be active. We must be active in our spiritual lives at home so that we can fight against the evils that are in this world. Well, sometimes people are still afraid. They're still afraid to do things like that. But what does 21 through 23 says? So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. The people believed in themselves. Tell you what, when it gets late at night, I start getting tired, start yawning. But what did they do here? They carried on the work from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servant spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. You see, they found a way. They found a way to be active and to fight through the challenges despite the ridicule, despite what was physically coming towards them. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes Each took his weapon, even to the water. So the people believed in themselves. We must work the work of the church. By trusting in God, we can do that. And trust we shall. Sometimes we don't even start a work because we're afraid that it won't be successful. So why even try? There's a psychological force at work here. It's called loss aversion. We don't want to try something even though we may gain a lot because we're so afraid that we may lose a little. We want to stay away from that loss. right? But there's much to be gained by the work of the church by stepping out in faith. Faith means that we have a plan to do something with a goal in mind. But we don't know 
how that's going to work out. Just like the construction of this church building. Where's the, where's the money coming from? I don't know. You know, we built this building. What about Honduras? First time I mentioned that, Dale, where are we going? I don't know. Honduras, somewhere. How are we going to get there? I don't know. Where's the money going to come from? I don't know. What are you asking me all this stuff for? I know we're going to go to Honduras, and I've got faith that God will get us there. And you've got to have faith, too, that what you want to see happen here, or what you want to be a part of here, is much the same way. For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. There's a work that's out there. And you're not going to have every plan, every step, everything set about because you've got to know that some of that work is in the hands of God. And you've got to trust that He'll get you there. And maybe if it doesn't work out, it's a learning, it's a learning station for you. It's a learning time for you. But that just means that the next time that work, whatever it is that you may want to do and be involved in, will be that much better because you learned from it. Mark chapter 4, verses 39 through 41, is a good example of what happens when men face a difficult time, and this was captured within a moment, the apostles in a, in a boat in a storm with Jesus there, and they're scared, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What we face may not be a storm within a, a moment's span of time. But what we face and what we endure and what we become involved in may lapse over time. But sometimes we don't even get started, but we have to. We have to trust in God that He'll get us through the difficult times. Nehemiah chapter 6. Turn there, please. Nehemiah chapter 6. We have to trust that God will get us through the difficulties, get us past the ridicule, get us past even our lack of faith that He can put a work in us and make it happen. Nehemiah 6 and verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month, Elul, in 52 days. When all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. As you consider the work here at Birdwell's Chapel, May you also consider this passage right here. I'm afraid. I don't know where I'll go. I don't know how it'll happen. Something in your heart to do here to make a difference and even make a difference outside of this building. Know that at the end, you want to be able to say this just like they did. This was accomplished with the help of our God. So what's next? Do you want to be active? Well, I hope so. It's time to get started. Time for more people to be involved here. We need teachers. We need active people to be a part of our youth program. We need people doing outreach. Maybe that's your gift. Maybe that's what you can do to bring more people to Christ. It's actually do that outreach, that heart-to-heart, that, -heart, that person-to-person -person outreach to show them the love of Christ and show them the difference that it can make in their lives. Whatever it might be, whatever's stirring within your heart right now, 
I think that this verse here applies very well to all of us. For I am very, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Pick a work and run with it. Talk to the elders, talk to the deacons about starting a new work and run with it and allow Christ Jesus to work in you and make a difference and be that salt, be that light that is on this earth for others to come to Christ. There's much work to do. Will you be a part of it? If you are lost, and if you're not a Christian, you are lost. If you've not been baptized and added to the body of Christ, then you are ambling about in this world without a Savior. You're ambling about in this world without hope for tomorrow. Without something to look forward to, to eternity. Because we must be Christians. You must be a Christian in order to partake in that end, in that eternal life of a heavenly home. If you want to be a Christian this morning, step forward, come forward. Talk to me after worship. And we can assist you in that in becoming a Christian, just as the people did in Acts chapter 2 when the New Testament church was first established. Or if you've strayed away from Christ and have not been living as you should, we pray that you'll make a change this morning and start living for Him anew. Won't you come now as we stand and sing to encourage you?